Welcome to Parenting with Vanessa Clones podcast. Well, school started. How's it going for you? I can tell you there's a lot going on on my end and I am super busy. Can't find teachers. <laughs> so if anyone's looking for a job in San Francisco, I have two positions open. And yeah, now we'll start going into what is happening right now when I'm seeing the little ones in preschool and then elementary school, let's say first, second grade, and anxiety and what that looks like. So I don't think a lot of people, I think a lot of people end up looking at children with anxiety as adults how you know we get anxious and what's going on but really anxiety in children comes down to control controlling their play controlling who they play with controlling where people are going to seek control controlling what cup they're going to drink from which is a lot for a lot of teachers and parents and things like that but what I'm finding is that if you have a child and you're an educator and they're in the classroom and you have a child that's like sitting in the back of the room you know always quiet not sure what to do next um and you know just taking a lot of space from the group that could be someone who has is feeling a little overwhelmed and these are the things that you want to start teaching is like when a child is feeling overwhelmed you can have start asking them if they want a break and having a break can be you know sitting reading a book they can choose drawing they can do yoga but you want to have an area in your home or in your house where the child can decompress and just actually focus on um coming out of that zone of just feeling like overwhelmed. Now imagine this, I'm gonna create a situation. You have morning meeting, all kids are sitting there listening to the teacher, and then you might have that one kid on the far corner that's like wanting to lay on the floor, another one's like playing with something else, and they got a fidget, then you hear it. And then there's that one kid that is hearing everything around them, but not what the teacher is saying. Or you, you know, and those are the things you wanna look at because kids, when they get overstimulated really quickly, and if you're looking at numbers of a classroom and how many children are there, it can be very overwhelming. Even 12 kids can be overwhelming for some kids, right? And so then you have a child that acts out, and then all of a sudden they're being labeled as, oh, look at that kid, they just like the bad child. There is no bad child, There's, we make poor choices. But if you have a child that cannot control their, uh, and they're overstimulated and they're having a really hard feeling their body, these are the things you want to look at and how to support the child. You know, sometimes putting on a little cushion on the floor for they could sit so they could feel their body a little bit more. They have those wobblers that you can get on Amazon. It's also, if you go to um, my website in Linktree, you could see there's a couple things we'll be talking about. If you have a child that fidgets all the time with their legs sitting down, getting a strap on the chair, helping them be able to feel their body because they can actually push down on the strap so they're getting that input on the bottom of their feet to, so they can feel their body a little bit better. I mean, these are the things you want to think about to kind of help them focus and get them going. So at my school, we have movement desks, pedal desks. I mean, you can have sit in each room, there's six ways that children can sit. And I don't really care how they sit as long as, you know, they are understanding their body and what their body needs. Some kids have a hard time sitting, so they're going to be standing the whole time. It depends on what you're looking at, but things that you want to look at as a teacher or at home is, you know, if your child has a hard time focusing, you know, if you have morning meeting, a wobble there, but also understand that, you know, looking at the room visually, like if there's a lot of stimulation, a lot of things and a lot of choices that can be overwhelming too. So if you have a child that walks into a classroom and they don't know what to do, you're going to say, do you want A or B? So you want to set them up for success. Then when you have a transition, you want to give warnings for each child. And that could be five minutes, four minutes, doesn't 
depends. But if you have a child that has a hard time with transitions and you are across the room and you're telling them a time to do something and they're playing and they're really engaged in their Legos, do you think they're going to hear you? Most likely not. So you want to like go over, tap their shoulder, even put the lights down, dim the lights in the classroom. That's when they know it's time to clean up. You want to have a visual so they can understand because sometimes the auditory, the room could be too loud. They're already shutting down and they're not sure what to do. Now, if you have a kid that goes under a desk, this is, these are all signs to look for like maybe it's too much. How do we decrease the stimulation? How do we help this child process? They might go to the corner of the room. They might go under a table. You're going to find that kids have a tendency to take care of themselves by certain behaviors. And you just have to look at it. I have one kid who was nonverbal years ago who um, had this ear infection and it was so bad that he put his head in the toilet because he just wanted the pain to go away but we had to look at the nonverbal cues and this is with any child you have to look at the nonverbal um, communication the child is giving you to understand where the child is feeling how they're doing and what's going on and if you can do that that's where you can help support the child some of these kids don't have the words I just had a kiddo the other day and he's telling him how his friends are tricking him and I'm sure that's what he's thinking in his mind that's true because he might have a hard time reading the social cues of what's going on or things are moving too fast that by the time you know you get the you gave three directions to a child he's on the last one but missed the first two because you know it's a little bit harder to process because there's so much going on in the environment and a lot of times when kids are super anxious they're going to try to hold it together and you're like wow they're doing great they're listening but then they go home and they fall apart it's like they held it together all day long and how much work that is for them to focus, to get it going, especially if you have a kid that's ADHD or other things and they're trying, right? And another thing, when you have a kid that is struggling, they see that other kids are that are that don't have these issues. And so how do you think they feel? Their self-esteem starts to drop. They start to do other things. And if you hear other kids in the background, by the way, I'm at a preschool right now, I'm um hanging out in some office just as just to make sure if any of my if one of my kids has issues I'll go in but right now this is where I'm at so if you hear kids that's what's going on but understand that you know anxiety in these children is very real because they stop and they can't they're not processing the information everything just stops for them and then the behaviors happen and then you're like, well, what just happened? Well, this is a kid that, you know, maybe we're showing signs beforehand. Again, morning meeting, you have a kid laying down on the floor. They're looking at that. They're kicking the ground. Maybe they have blocks. Maybe there's a, in the block area that's right next to morning meeting when one of the kids is grabbing it. So next thing you know, that kid that's trying to focus on the teacher is so distracted by all the noises around, they start acting out. So, you know, as you're going into the school year, making sure that you have a break area, um, getting the work, getting rid of the word timeout. We're going to take a timeout right now. No, we're going to take a break. You want to start teaching coping skills that these kids can start to self-regulate and they're, they are more aware of their body. They're moving things forward, um, that they can express themselves. You know, if I have a kid that's wandering out of a morning meeting and there's 30 kids, yes, we're back at that number of some places and there's 30, 27 to 30 kids right? Instead of saying you need to come back, you might say, is this too much? Do you need a break? You know, why are we going to force a child to sit when it's overstimulating? They're not getting it, but even moving them to the back of the room where it's less noisy, they are, or they're on a couch or they're doing something, but they're still paying attention. Why does a child have to sit there? I don't know. Like you could take, get a chair. There's these chairs that you can actually put where they, you could sit them. They feel their body, put the strap on the chair. They're there. And not everyone's going to learn by sitting on the floor. Um, some people might want to sit on a chair. Some people might want a cushion. It depends. But again, be open and flexible to what the needs of the child 
what the needs of the child are. Because it's very important that these kids feel that, you know, that they are heard, that they are supported, and that everyone learns differently. Everyone's brain is wired differently. And when you have young kids that are hiding under desks, um, not listening nonstop, um, going to the back of the room, I mean, even when I had one kid one time to a preschool and he was like behind like where the, the fish were, the, and you could, and the parent, the kids, the teacher was like, I don't know. He just likes to go there. And I'm like, that's, that's a kid that's overwhelmed and his senses are going in overdrive and he just needs everything calmer. Right. So looking at how you can support the child to have everything a little bit calmer. Um, those are the things, but those are, you know, kids that as we're transitioning to the school year, looking at like coping skills, you know, having things on the wall, like a, a little corner of the room that's like a I know some kids can't have bean bags but maybe a couch but then there's these calming books they can color colors another thing there's fidgets I'm not I haven't you know some kids fidgets work really well others become like a distraction it becomes a toy again if you're giving a, a, a child an object as a fidget to help them focus like a chewy for example if there's turning that chewy around on their finger and like they're hitting people that's not what we want so then you take it away because it has to be taught that this is for your body this is going to help you focus these are the things that we're going to do but again if we're looking at our classroom and even at home you want to make sure for that child that has a hard time with transitions you need warnings and then also giving them a touch on the shoulder so they understand what's coming up next time and then also say what you mean and mean what you say i can't see this anymore any like I can't beat that into people's heads. If you say you're leaving in five minutes, it's five minutes. Five minutes doesn't become 20 minutes. You know, your words matter. The intention behind what you're saying and what you're doing, understand that yes, things do come up and, and tell them that, you know what, things came up, I, I'm sorry. I know I said five minutes, but it's really not. Oops, things come up. Again, but saying that makes a huge difference in a child to understand that you mean what you say and say what you mean because what you're teaching is that they don't have to trust you. And if you're a teacher and you keep repeating a child's name over and over again, they're learning that they do not have to listen to you and that it doesn't really matter. So again, I go down to, you ask twice, the third time you help. And this is also in one of my books, How to Do Parenting with Confidence, which is on Amazon. And if you go to my link, vanessacolon.com, K-A-H-L-O-N, you will have, you can get the book there too. But this goes into strategies and techniques to kind of help the child understand how to self-regulate, how to advocate, also a better relationship because the child is feeling heard by the adult and vice versa. That is where you want to see the difference. And this is where the child is learning about their body. This is where the child can advocate for themselves and what they need. Because once 30 kids come together for a morning meeting, they can go grab their cushion. They can go grab their chair. They might be like, I need to sit on the very corner of the car carpet to do it, to sit, to listen. Again, if you have all this stimulation going on, like I'm not, I was that kid that if there's a hundred things going on around me and I have to look at the teacher because I need to take it in. If I'm looking at the teacher, I'm not listening to the teacher because I'm putting all my power focusing on it, but I'm not hearing what the teacher is saying. Now, if I'm coloring and fidgeting or doing something else, that's where you're going to see that I'm learning and doing it, but I'm not making eye contact. And everybody always wants eye contact. I get it, but I don't get it. <laughs> at the same time, it's very overwhelming and it's, you know, it's bringing in all those senses and everything else that comes in. So I hope you like this podcast. Good luck to the beginning of the school year. Um, any of these kiddos that are just struggling, you see them hiding in the corner, not listening. Um, take a look at the environment. How can we make it easier for the child? And also maybe if the days are too long, some kids, this, the school days are really long and it's too much. So hope you enjoyed this until next week. Bye.